As we continue the service, I invite you again to bow with me in prayer. Our Lord and God, thank you for meeting us here. Lord, in the next few minutes as we um, pause, quiet in our, our thoughts, um, we ask that you speak to us. Lord, I pray that you will guide my words, you'll speak through me, and that we will all hear what you want us to hear today. Thank you for being with us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Today we're continuing our sermon series, Asking for a Friend. The idea that there's some big questions in life that maybe our friends have asked us and, and maybe that, we're asked, that we ask of ourselves sometimes. And today, um, I'll admit it's a relatively loaded question, but the question of the day is, will God bless me if I'm good enough? And, and we'll unpack that as we go. Um, but as I begin thinking about this, uh, this topic in particular, um, I was reminded about a TV show I used to watch years ago on NBC. It lasted for four mediocre seasons. Um, it has reappeared on a streaming service, so, so Carol and my wife and I have started re-watching it. I don't necessarily recommend it. Um, it's, it's a little bit irreverent, um, it's uh, lowbrow humor, not sophisticated at all, but it's the kind of show that makes me laugh. So um, I think Carolyn pushes play and just sits back and watches me kind of cackle at the, the junior high humor that this show portrays. And, and the name of the show is My Name is Earl. And you see the, the main character in that photo, his name is Earl, obviously. And Earl has lived um, a relatively bad life, a self-centered life. He's a criminal, a thief. He's always looking for opportunities to take advantage of other people so that he can benefit himself. But one day, Earl has this realization, this epiphany. And he says, why should I be surprised that my life is bad when all I do is bad things? And so the whole show, all four glorious seasons, are based on him making a list of all the people that he has done wrong to, and him trying to go back and, and, and make amends to fix what he has done. And he, he, he talks a lot about karma, as if karma is the higher power, that if he does good things, good things will happen to him. Um, obviously, a, a cause and effect view of life. If I do bad, bad will follow me. If I do good things, good will happen. Um, of course, as Christians, we don't, we don't talk about karma necessarily. Uh, but there's, there's no way to escape in life how, how we have this cause and effect of view of things. Um, just with common everyday things, you know, if, if I stayed up too late last night, the effect would be I may have a hard time staying awake to listen to myself preach today. Um, if, if I drive around in my car recklessly in speed, I shouldn't be surprised if I get in an accident. Cause and effect, you know, it's just a part of life. And of course, this creeps into to, as we think about our relationship with God. Um, if I do A, then it'd be great if God did B, you know. There was a, a survey conducted by Lifeway Research Group in 2016 that asked a similar question to what we're asking today. The question they asked of, of Americans across the country was, will God always reward true faith 
with material blessings. Um, nearly two-thirds, 63% disagreed with that. They said, no, that's, that's not the way it works. But 25% said, yeah, that they, they believed that. They had that conviction. And another 12% just weren't sure. So, so based on these numbers, about one in three Americans are at least open to the idea that if my faith is strong enough, God's going to do some stuff for me, materialistically, tangibly. Um, and, and that's not that far out of, out of our way of thinking. I, I don't know, you know, how much of that is, is um, being Americans and, and you know, we, we work for what we accomplish and we think if we work hard enough in our faith, God will reward us. I, I'm not sure exactly what's there. Maybe just human intrinsic nature that we have this built-in feeling that if I do something, God will do something in return. Um, this, these statistics, you know, over the past several decades, there's, there's been a lot of um, so-called Christian leaders, preachers, especially those on television that have taken advantage of this and manipulated a lot of people. Um, people that want God's blessings in their life. So the preacher may say something like, well, send in $10 or more, your prayer request will be granted, and you'll have a, a great life, a better life. And, and many of those religious preachers um, have gotten rich over that manipulative scheme. So, for us today, we are going to jump into uh, several passages in the Bible, um, and I want to warn you that where we start in answering this question isn't necessarily where we're going to end. So if, if, you, if you, you know, just hear me say maybe one phrase or, or one sentence or two, you may miss the bigger picture. So I just want to warn you, this is an evolving kind of, kind of sermon this morning, um, but we're going to start in the Hebrew scriptures, what we call the Old Testament. The, the two verses that Mike read earlier, very obscure verses. Um, I didn't even know they were there until uh, in the year 2000. Some of you may remember the author uh, Bruce Wilkinson released a book based on those two verses. The Prayer of Jabez, Breaking Through to the Blessed Life. I'm curious, anybody familiar with that book? I see a few hands, a few nods of heads, yep. Um, that's, that's what first drew my attention to those verses. And, and I, I, was, I remember at that time I had a lot, of, I was in a circle of, of people that were really skeptical about that. You know, how can you take two really small verses about one man that we don't know anything else about in the Old Testament and, and build your faith around that? And, and I, I understand that objective. Um, I'm just going to reread them because they're very short. Um, so from 1 Chronicles chapter 4, starting in verse 9, Jabez was honored more than his brothers, and his mother named him Jabez, saying, because I bore him in pain. I have to stop there. I'm wondering why aren't more of us named Jabez, if, if that's the criteria. I think that's so interesting that it makes it into this. Um, but then verse 10, Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, oh, that you would bless me, and enlarge my territory, and that your hand might be with me, and that you would keep me from hurt and harm. And God granted what he asked. Uh, you know, again, kind of with a, a skeptical eye, I'm like, wow, how, how selfish of you, Jabez. That's, that's really kind of self-centered. But I, I, I do want to step back, and, and I think, you know, 
we, the important lesson for all of us here in what Jabez did is he acknowledged and he knew who blessings came from. He knew that if anything good was going to happen in his life, it would be God that provided that, that God that delivered that in his life. Even though his, his request may be kind of bold and out there, he made this bold request with, with a humble heart. He knew that, God, it's up to you. So, so that's one example in the Hebrew scriptures of, of blessings. And, and the, the theme of blessings is, is probably talked about more in, in the Old Testament than almost any other topic. And we can look at many other passages. I'm just going to pull out a few stories and characters that, that relate to what we're thinking about this morning. Um, if we go back to, to the first book of the Old Testament, Genesis, in Genesis 17, Abram becomes Abraham. God chooses Abraham. And, and Abraham's blessing is to become the father of many nations. That's what his blessing looked like. That's what it meant for Abraham. Farther on in Genesis, in Genesis 27, we, we read about two brothers that are fighting over the family blessing, Jacob and Esau. It's in this incredible story of deceit and, and manipulation and father versus mother and brother versus brother. And they were seeking the family blessing, which was kind of uh, along the lines of, of the family inheritance, but much more than that. Whoever received the, the family blessing, it's typically the firstborn male in the family. They would become the family leader, the family patriarch, have the inheritance, have the status and prestige that comes with all of that, as well as having a special status in God's sight. They would have God's favor. So that was another element or another way that, that blessings looked like in the Old Testament. If we fast forward um, to the book of Daniel, we read stories about some different young men who are faced with, with challenges that, that aren't terribly unlike what we're faced with in a daily basis. They, they could live as they felt like God was calling them to live, or they could give in to, to the, the pressures around them to kind of compromise. I'm, I'm talking about Daniel who chose to live for God, and because of that, he was punished. He was thrown into a den of lions. And his blessing was that God's presence was with him. God's protection in particular was with him. He survived that ordeal, came out of the lion's den alive. And then three other young men that we refer to as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they had a similar kind of testing where, okay, bow down and, and worship not the true God, they resisted. They said, no, we worship only God, only the true God. They were thrown into a super hot, fiery furnace. God's blessing for them was not only protection, but God, God's presence entered the fire with them. They were not alone in that test and trial. But you, we get the picture. Throughout the Old Testament, throughout the Hebrew Scriptures, blessings were so significant. Um, we, we, can, we can talk about different kings um, and how it's written that, that king so-and-so feared God. And, and because he lived an honorable, God-fearing life, God blessed him with a long life and with military victories. Now, on the other hand, we, we read about bad kings, kings that did evil in the sight of the Lord. 
And because of that, they, they, were, they had short lives, short reigns. They didn't have military success. So if we stop with the Hebrew scriptures, if all we read is, is Genesis through Malachi in, in the Hebrew scriptures, and we ask the question, um, will, God, will God bless me if I live a good enough life? It seems like the answer is pretty obviously yes, that, that there's this cause and effect relationship. Almost as simple as if I do A, God will do B. Um, now again, that's part of the story. That's part of the background here. But of course, we're so thankful that we're, that's not the end of the story. And we're going to turn our attention to what Jesus had to say about this and, and what his life had to show us about what it looks like to have a blessed life or to be blessed in this life. Um, and, and to kind of paint a little bit more of the picture, the, the story, you know, for centuries, um, the, the Jewish people had been living in what we just described seeking God's blessing. And in so many ways, that meant God's favor shown upon them by larger territories, larger herds of cattle or flocks of sheep, multiple children to to carry on the family name and and the status of the family. Those tangible things were ingrained within what it meant to be blessed in the Hebrew scriptures. So we turn to the book of Matthew and in chapter 5, we get to Jesus' one of his first sermons, and by far his lengthiest sermon, the, st- the sermon that he has the most to say about. And right off the bat, in the opening verses, he talks about what it means to be blessed. And I'm not going to read the, the, the full passage here, but Matthew 5, beginning in verse 3, Jesus said, blessed are thee, and then he starts listing groups of people that caught everybody listening off guard. It wasn't the kings who who lived godly lives. It wasn't the honorable son like Jabez who who made a bold request of God. But it, it was people who were poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart the peacemakers, and those who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness. Jesus is, is speaking into the, the situation where it, it felt like up until this time, up until Jesus is coming, that to be blessed by God meant you had certain status. You had, you had certain tangible um, benefits in your life that, that people could see. And that, that's how God's blessing showed in your life. But Jesus is making the profound claim and pointing out that God's blessing isn't just for those elites or the people that had certain status. It wasn't for the the religious leaders of the time who who actually wore specific religious robes. And just by looking at them, you could see how religious, how close to God supposedly they were by how long their tassels were and the type of robe they wore. He's saying, no, that's missing it. God's blessings are available for everyone despite your circumstances. Even if you're mourn, in deep mourning the loss of a close loved one, even if you're poor or poor in spirit, even if you are, are, are the, the person who is hungry, your hunger and thirst for righteousness 
God's blessings are there for you. In a roundabout way, this reminds me of um, when I was a little kid um, growing up in a, in a small country church in southern Missouri, um, small Baptist church. And I don't know, some of you may have had this similar experience. I've never seen this anywhere else. Um, but every year in our little country church, people that had perfect attendance in Sunday school were rewarded. I see a few heads nod. You know what I'm talking about. They were, they were, they came up front during the service. They got a a small pin that they put on their shirt and it was amazing. And I remember as a little kid, I was awestruck. Just those who could show up 52 Sundays a year. I never was that religious or that committed or anything like that. But there was one family in particular who the the father and and the, the son they had, you know, you would get these each year. So, and they would connect and these things hung down to their belt. I'm serious. It was like 13 years. I don't know if in a row or not, but 13 years where they had perfect attendance. And I was just amazed. Wow. What commitment, what dedication. And maybe I shouldn't say this like this, but as I got a little bit older, I, I realized wow, one of those people has been in church every Sunday almost all his life, but the way he lives his life, the way he treats other people, um, gosh, it doesn't look a whole lot like Jesus taught us to live. There there was a disconnect on what the status symbol of all of these pins hanging down and and the way he lived out his Christian faith. And, And... I think in a way, that's, that's what I think of as Jesus says these words here about what it means to be blessed, what it means to re, um, receive God's blessings in our lives. Um, so, so as we wind this up in, in a way today, will God bless me if I'm good enough? Again, a loaded question. Um, but if, if we focus on those last words, what does good enough mean? Um, Again, coming back to Jesus' words, what he taught and showed us, he said the greatest thing is to love God. Second greatest thing is to love people. So if you're hung up on is my life good enough or not, focus on those two things. That, that's all Jesus asks of us if we, if we want to follow him and live for him. Love God, love people. It's as, it's as simple as that. That's good enough. But this whole idea of will God bless me, the the answer is yes. God desires to bless you. God wants to be a part of your life. God wants to help you experience all that this life is as we live with Jesus and connected to him. But we might get hung up a little bit in how we define what blessed means. If we're thinking first and foremost about those Hebrew scripture examples, those ancient examples of, well, that means that God's gonna do this, this, and that for me. Means the the bigger house, the newer car, the promotion at work, um, we're missing it. It's not to say that, that God doesn't want better things for us or God doesn't work through situations to bring those things about. But if that's what our focus is, is we, God, please bless my life. Please be with me in my life. We're we're missing the bigger picture here. The Apostle Paul summed this up really well in his opening words to the Ephesian church, church in Ephesus, in Ephesians 1, verse 3. 
Paul wrote, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. So first of all, bless God. God is, God is worthy of praise and blessing. And God has blessed us first and foremost and all, through Jesus. God has blessed us through Jesus. Because through Jesus, we have the opportunity to know God and to experience God. And, and Paul winds that up by not talking about this world, but by talking about spiritual blessings in the heavenly realms. Obviously, God cares about what's going on in our lives here and now. But being blessed by God in the full meaning is so much more. It's about being connected with God now and for eternity. And that's what I I would leave you with this morning, is that God desires for all of us to live blessed lives. And we all have the opportunity to do that. We all have an opportunity to connect with God and know God and be with God through Jesus. So in these next few minutes, as, as we prepare to respond, um, that may be something I'd be, you, you, that's str- a struggle in, in your mind or you'd like to talk about or pray about more is how I, I, I want to start that relationship with Jesus. I want to live a le- blessed life, which means I want to be connected with God. And I'd be happy to talk with you about that more. Let's pray together. Lord God, thank you that you are a God of blessings. Lord, this morning, help us not get hung up in in maybe blessings that that are self-centered or just about us having better, bigger, more material things in this world, but help us see the true meaning and impact of how you want to bless us. That you offer us a personal relationship with you through Jesus. And that when we have that relationship with you, no matter what else is going on in our lives, we are blessed because you know us and we know you and you are with us and we are with you. Lord, thank you so much for being with us today and for this opportunity to respond to you. We pray all this in Jesus' name, amen.